Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, you may not have guessed it, but we did not rehearse that little bit. <laughs> Folks, it is so lovely to see you. Can I just say a big hi to you guys who are in the overflow? <laughs> guys, it is so lovely to have you over there. Guys, can I say hi to you sitting at home, online, watching, whether it's live or later on in the week or whenever. And you guys, of course, you are so, so welcome to be here. Um, I don't know when you woke up this morning, how long it took for your stomach to tell you that you were hungry. Anybody wake up hungry? I'm at that age now where I wake up needing to do something else. But that's, I'm not talking about that, okay? Um, I, I, I take about half an hour and pretty soon my tummy is starting to rumble. In fact, we were in the office the other day and uh, my stomach was rumbling and, and Wendy was working over there and her stomach was rumbling and it felt like, if you know the bit where, uh, where, where Mary meets Elizabeth, and Jesus inside her tummy was talking to John the but It felt like that. It's like, what's going on with my stomach? My stomach is rumbling so much, I must be starving. And one of the things about hunger, one of the things about hunger, it's a healthy thing to have. It's healthy for us to be hungry because hunger always remind us, reminds us about our dependency. I'm gonna trip on that if I'm not careful. Hunger reminds us that we need food. Put your hand up if you had breakfast this morning. Put your hand up, the other hand up if you're already thinking about dinner. Right, yeah, good, 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 good. We need food and hunger is a good thing. It reminds us of our dependency, but today I don't want to talk about being hungry for food. Today I want to be, talk about being hungry for more of what Jesus has for us. And I don't just mean stuff. I mean more of the relationship, more of the understanding of who he is and how much he loves us. So I wanna make you hungry today, is that all right? But I don't wanna leave you at hunger, I wanna take you further. I wanna do it by looking at two people from the Bible. Um, One of them, you will know, especially if you've been around Sunday school or, or grew up in Sunday school or grew up in church. His name is Zacchaeus, and we've got a slide. So I wanna compare these two people. His name was Zacchaeus, and then there's another man who was young, and he was rich, and he was a ruler. And I wanna talk about the opposites of these two men for a minute or two, okay? Zacchaeus, we know he was a tax collector, and here's the verse, you can find it in Luke 19, verse 10. Um, And we know that he was small. The Bible says that he was small, that he couldn't really jump up and see people. We also know, and oh, and this guy here, where's he from? He is from the book of Mark. Mark chapter 10. We know this guy was a tax collector. Tax collectors in those days, not like people who work for HMRC today. Tax collectors in those days were not well thought of. They were miserable. They were thieves and they were cheats. They would steal and rob people of their money. So they were hated. Nobody liked this guy. Nobody liked him. Maybe a few of his tax collector friends liked him. Oh, we've just disappeared. And then you've got the rich young ruler guy. He was a cheat and a thief, but this guy, he was a good lad. This guy probably grew up in church because when he came to Jesus, he knew all the right things to say and all the right things to do. Let's go back to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was hated. Nobody liked him. Pretty much everybody was like, 
he's a traitor, he's a thief, he's taken money from me, and at any chance I get, I will give him what for. In fact, the other guy, opposite, completely opposite. He was respected by pretty much everyone. He was the kind of guy that, you know, when you go for a coffee with someone, and they are the ones that say, I'll pay, you know? He was that kind of guy. He was generous, he was kind, he was well respected by everyone. But there were a couple of things they had in common. The first thing was this, they had money. They had loads of money. Kids, put your hands up if you wish you had loads of money. If you had loads of money, getting whatever you want would not be a problem. Grown-ups, that house that you've been looking at on Right Move could be yours easily. Gents, that sports car on Auto Trader, you just go and buy it. These two could have gone and bought it. One of my favorite things would have been the big TV. Did anybody else like big TVs in the room? Is it just me? Yeah, thanks. I would have gone for the big 100-inch OLED TV, right? If money was no object, 100-inch TV, PlayStation 5, whatever it is. These guys had no, um, there was no restraint on what they could buy. Both of them, the same. But they also had something else that was in common. They knew that money wasn't enough. They had this nagging thing inside of them that made them hungry for something else. And they both had heard about this man called Jesus, who was from a town called Nazareth, who was saying some incredible things and performing some incredible miracles. And so both of them decided that they wanted to meet Jesus. Here's how it went. Let's take Zacchaeus first. Zacchaeus, because he was so small, the Bible says that he couldn't see. There was a crowd of people all walking with Jesus through Jericho. And Zac was desperate to see Jesus. So the Bible says he ran ahead. Ready, cameras? He ran ahead, okay? While nobody was watching. And then when he got to the side of the road that was further on ahead, he climbed up. No, I'm not going to go anymore. (laughs) Too scary. He climbed up the tree so that he could see Jesus. We know that. The rich young ruler was so desperate to see Jesus that he came along. He ran to, Wendy, I need that cushion because I've got 53-year-old knees. And the Bible says he fell on his knees before Jesus. Both of them were hungry for something else. And they were hungry for what they thought Jesus had to offer them. Both of them were so hungry that their hunger outweighed what other people thought. That's significant. That's really significant. Zacchaeus, those two things running. Now in those days, people didn't put on their shorts and their jogging bottoms and their trainers and go for runs in the morning. Running was seen as like being stupid. You would never run. It was undignified to run. You would walk everywhere. So for him to run, what he was saying was, my hunger is greater than what, I, what I'm scared of others thinking of me. And then what he did, climb in the tree. <clears throat> now, we're all wearing underpants in this room, okay? In Jesus' day, they had two garments. They had an inner garment, which was like a, your, your granny's nighty, but not as flowery or as pink. And then they'd have an outer garment that they would wear. Now, if you are a lady that's ever climbed a tree with a skirt on, you will know that is not the easiest thing in the world to do to keep your decency, right? But Zacchaeus wasn't worried about that. He was more concerned about his hunger 
for Jesus. And then you've got the rich young ruler coming, he runs, and he kneels down. By kneeling, what he's saying is, I am less than you. What he's saying to these people around him is he's saying, I am putting myself below this man. He's lessening himself. He's stepping out of that pride. So both of them are super hungry to know more. They're super hungry because they've got this nagging inside of them, right? They're very different people, remember? One of them, the cheat. One of them, the good fella. One of them, we'd have all liked. One of them, we'd have all disliked because he would steal our money. When they come to Jesus, Jesus has the same response with both of them. He doesn't say to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you dirty, rotten toe rag. You've been stealing money. You've got to turn from everything you've done wrong. And equally, he doesn't say to the, the guy who's done good, oh, well done, that'll do. Good and faithful one, that's enough. He looks at both of them and he's full of compassion. His heart is full of love for both of them. His response to them is the same. Their response to him is where it changes. Both of them are hungry. Like I say, I want you guys to, to have that hunger for more stirred within your hearts. But I don't want to leave it there. Because here's what happened. Zacchaeus, he comes, he meets Jesus. He goes back to his house where he welcomes Jesus into his house. He surrenders. What he does, not prompted by Jesus, is he said, Jesus, everybody I've stolen money from, I'm gonna give back four times as much as what I've taken from them. And what I've got left, I'm gonna give half of that away. And we don't know how much he had left. But for somehow, in some reason, he saw that Jesus was more significant than anything else. Is my mic gone funny? Right, there we go. Is that better? Are we good? Okay. Jesus was more significant than anything else, than all the money that he had amassed through cheating people like me and you. Jesus, the light of Jesus, was greater than all of that. So he chose to surrender what was, used to be most important to him. The rich young ruler, with all his money too, he equally came to Jesus. But he chose, as they used to say in Northern Ireland, no surrender. I probably shouldn't say that, but I'm English, so I don't really understand it, so it's okay. Get away with it, right? He chose not to surrender. He said, no, it's too much. Jesus, I see your significance, but you're not as significant to me as my money. And so here's what happened. Zacchaeus, the Bible says, was full of joy. And he began his friendship with Jesus. Sadly, the rich young ruler, he walks away with his heart sad. Two men, completely different, both with equal amounts of hunger to meet Jesus. And yet, the way they respond to him is completely different. One of them chooses to surrender. One of them chooses not to. And what I want to encourage you guys, what I want to inspire you, my family, my friends, some of you I know are visiting, so I don't know you. Some of you have maybe come because you've been invited with somebody. Maybe some of you have been coming to church for years 
and you've been around Jesus and you've known of him. But as yet, you haven't entered into a friendship with Jesus. And what I want to tell you is this, that it starts with being hungry for him. But our hunger needs to, needs to lead to surrender. It needs to lead to us laying down our lives for him. And when we do that, it's like an oxymoron. Kids, you haven't got a clue what that is. I don't really know what it means. Right? It's like the opposite happens. You think you're giving stuff away. You think you're giving it up. But actually what you do is you create space for him to fill you with his stuff, not your stuff. And his stuff is infinitely, that's way, way better than our stuff ever is, is has been. Let me tell you a bit about myself. I, I have been a Christian for almost four decades. At 15 years old, um, I remember responding to hearing about Jesus dying on the cross for me. And I'd heard about it probably hundreds of times growing up in church before. But whatever happened that night, I felt like Jesus speak to me. And I gave my life to Jesus. And that was a long time ago. And most of those years since then, I've kind of had this friendship with Jesus where it's been a faith thing, where I've trusted Jesus, where I've believed him with all my heart. But then I hear people like Aphaia talk about her friendship with Jesus. And I talk, hear her talk about how her friendship with Jesus drives her. She can't help but go and share that with other people. And people like that challenge me deeply. And I've heard it from some of my friends over the years. And I thought, well, this is what I have. This is my friendship with Jesus. This is what it's like. And then really quickly, just this, um, this, this spring, I bought a hoover at Lidl's. It wasn't a hoover that you push. It was a robot hoover. It was amazing. It would just hoover around the place on its own and pick up all the dirt, the dog hairs. And I was so excited about this robot hoover. I just told everybody I knew about this robot hoover and you need to get a robot hoover because it stops you doing the hoovering. You don't need to do the hoovering anymore. And then I got really challenged because I thought, I'm more excited about a jolly robot hoover than I am about the creator of the universe. And so my, my, my heart started to change. I started to feel hunger for more, for this greater understanding of his side of, my, of the relationship that I have with him. And then really quickly, I was on a walk a few months ago. I met this old man. I introduced myself. He introduced himself. He said he was 84 years old. He was this incredible man. He said three words to me, four if you're grammatically correct, because we found out that we were both Christians. And he said this. Um, he said, I'm his lover. And there's a verse in, in the Bible that says that uh, uh, he is the lover of my soul. And I heard those three words and I thought, Lord, that's what I want. I want to be able to say, Jesus, I'm your lover. I don't just want to rely on my faith or my belief. I want to experience this relationship with you, this closeness, this friendship with you. Kids, give me a wave if you've got a best friend. Best friends are awesome. Adults, give me a wave if you've got a best friend. They're your best friend because... Not only because you're close to them, but because you do things for them and they do things for you. It's a two-way relationship. And like I say, a few months ago, I started to get stirred up by this. And I started to, I started to get into the Bible a bit more. Because I'm going to be honest, I've never felt like I've been really good at reading the Bible. Can I tell you the truth? I've never felt I've been really good at praying. I've always felt a bit kind of like a C plus 
Do you know the results came out? C plus at praying. When it came to quiet times, honestly, I'm like, quiet times? I don't want to be quiet. And so in some ways, I, I've kind of discovered this incredible friendship with Jesus that for the last 35 years or so, I feel like is that I haven't pushed into. I've seen it at times. And, and what's been really helpful for, to me is there's a book in the Bible. It's called The Song of Songs. The Song of Songs, it's called The Song of Songs because the Hebrew language doesn't have any adjectives. So you can't call it the greatest song or the best song. It's called the Song of Songs. It's the reason why we call Jesus the Lord of Lords and the King of all kings. And this, this Song of Songs was written by the King Solomon and it was written to a peasant girl. And you can read it. I used to read it as a teenage boy because there are some interesting bits in it, lads. Right? I'll not go into it anymore. Hopefully that will stir your thirst to read it. Um, but I started to read it and, and I came across this verse in chapter 5, verse 2, I'm going to read it to you. I'll read this first, but then I'm going to get you to close your eyes. After this, I let my devotion slumber. Honestly, guys, I feel like I've been slumbering a wee bit in my devotion to Jesus. But my heart for him stayed awake. I still loved him. I had a dream. I dreamed of my beloved. He was coming to me in the darkness of the night. The melody of the man I love awakened me. I heard his knock at my heart's door as he pleaded with me. And maybe, guys, just close your eyes and listen to this. I'll read it to you. If you don't want to close your eyes, you can read it here. He said, arise, my love. Open your heart, my darling. Deeper still to me. Will you receive me this dark night? There is no one else but you, my friend, my equal. I need you this night to arise and come and be with me. You are my pure, loyal dove, a perfect partner for me, my flawless one. Will you arise? For my heaviness and tears are more than I can bear. And this is Jesus speaking to us prophetically in this God's love letter to us. I have spent myself for you throughout the night. I read those words and I thought, Lord, I had no idea. I had no idea. And so I started to do literally what it says. I started to arise because I'm kind of a practical bloke. And so I started to get up earlier than I would normally. I felt like I started to surrender my nice, warm, cozy bed. Because I thought, Jesus, you are worth it. You're worth everything. So I started to get up earlier and earlier and earlier. And I would spend the first hour or whatever it is in the morning in these incredible times with Jesus trying to initially keep myself awake to be honest with you thinking what am I doing why am I awake I just want to go back to sleep but then I would realize why I'm here and I would read those things and I would know that Jesus was in the room with me that actually he was waiting on me I'll I, I finish with this and then I, I, I'd love to do something with you we went on holiday in July and I've been getting up at 5 a.m. every morning before that for two or three months. And on holiday, things go a bit south, don't they? <laughs> you know, you're kind of there to relax. And we had a few late nights with the family, and it was a lovely, lovely time. But it, the knock-on effect was I wasn't getting up just so early. And I hear in my heart, this is not a legalistic thing. There's nothing legal about this. There's nothing heavy. There's no guilt. There's no shame in any of this. But I kind of slept in till 7, 8 maybe half eight some mornings. 
And so I wasn't starting my day the way that I had become used to, becoming full with Jesus. Because spending that time with Jesus at the start of the day, you are full. And I think I've spent most of my life not necessarily feeling full. I didn't quite know what I was full of, but I know that I am full when I've spent that time with Jesus. And on holiday, I let it slip. And then one morning, you know, sometimes you get a dream just before you wake up. You ever had that? I had this dream just before I woke up. In this dream, I was sitting in a pub, or maybe a coffee shop would be better for church. I was sitting in a coffee shop, and this man came up to me. And he came, and he introduced himself, and he said, Hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm from Esom. Now, Esom is a, a, a school of, of ministry here, uh, of mission. And I knew what it was, but I didn't let on to him that I knew what it was. And then he said, I just feel God wants to say something to you. And I'm like, okay, what is it? And then he said these words that have changed my life and will change my life for however many years I've got left. He said simply, God wants you to know that he really, really misses you. He's missed you these last few mornings. And it wasn't in, God's missed you, where have you been? It was, God's missed you. I'm like, Lord, you've missed me? And I'm so worried that I've missed you. But that's the relationship, the depth of relationship that God wants with me and with you. Jesus never called anyone to a religion. He never called anyone to a set of rules. He called them to an intimate relationship with him. His friend Peter, in his second letter, writes these words. He said that you would continue to grow in your intimacy with Jesus. Lord, I want to continue to grow in my intimacy with you. I want to continue to see and know more and more of you. And then Peter's friend John, another friend of Jesus, a fisherman, he writes just two chapters later in the way our, our Bible's laid out in, in 1 John chapter 2. He writes these words, You know when you're intimate with Jesus, not because of the words that come out of your mouth, not because you say you're intimate with Jesus, but because you walk in his footsteps. And when you are full of Jesus, when you're intimate with Jesus, like what Aphaia was saying earlier, you can't help but want to pour out your heart to others. You can't help but love others. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, Benji, would you come up and just maybe lead us in a bit of music, just quietly, because I want to invite you guys to go beyond the hunger stage. And that word grow that Peter uses means that you could be in a Christian two minutes or you could be a Christian 20, 30, 40, 50 years and there is still room to grow in intimacy with Jesus. And I would love to lead you in growing in intimacy with Jesus. I love you to experience what I've been experiencing these last few months of that depth of intimacy, that fullness that comes with knowing him even greater. And so whether you're young or whether you're old, I wonder could I invite you to stand if you're able? And firstly, if you've, if you've never met Jesus before, I'd love to introduce you to my friend. He is the lover of my soul. He is more important than anything else in my life. He is the light and my life. And in light of him, everything else kind of fades away. All those distractions, whatever it is, greed, fear, anxiety, lust, 
In the light of Jesus, those things diminish and they fade away when all we see is Him. And so whether you're really young or really old or somewhere in between, I want to invite you on this incredible journey of surrender, this adventure of surrender. So if you want to say to Jesus today and your prayer is, Lord, I want to grow in intimacy with you. I want to wake up from my slumber. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to to get into a posture of surrender. Because surrender is not easy. It's really good to do something difficult every day. It's really good to do something difficult for Jesus every day. So what I'm going to invite you to do is if you're feeling brave and you want to surrender and you're saying that to Jesus, I invite you to come down to the front on your knees. If you're not able to on your knees, just stand. If you've got dodgy knees like me. But if you want to, come to the front. And this is almost like an act of surrender where you're saying, Jesus, just like Zacchaeus, just like the rich young ruler, I'm more hungry for you than I care about what the person standing next to me thinks. And folks, maybe you're at home. You're watching this wherever you're at. And this is an opportunity for you to get down on your living room floor. Say, Jesus, I want to become more hungry. I want to surrender more so that I can grow in intimacy with you. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your incredible love, your limitless love for us. Lord, my prayer in my heart for my friends gathered here is that they would know how precious they are to you. Lord, that they would understand that surrendering to you isn't a negative thing. It's not giving up, but it's giving up so to get so much more. Making room for you and all that you are and all that you have, Lord. And so, Lord, for my friends who are on their knees or who maybe aren't just at that point yet, Lord, I pray that you would come now by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit and whisper in their ear, Arise, my love. Arise. Arise. And I'm not going to tell you what you need to surrender or what to do. That's up to you and Jesus. But my encouragement is this. Go and figure out something. What is it, Lord, in my life that I need to lay down to make more room for you? Maybe it is fear. Maybe in this season it's anxiety. Maybe for some of us it's pride. Maybe for others it's, it is our money. We've become more dependent on our money than we have on our relationship with Jesus. So Lord, I thank you for these people. Lord, I pray for a generation, for generations to rise up to rise up and be intimate with you, Lord. And out of that intimacy that we would walk in the footsteps of Jesus, that we would be the hands and the feet and the voice piece of Jesus to our our society, to our community. So Lord, I pray you would fill us up. Fill us up, Lord. That it wouldn't stop at this personal, private relationship with you, Lord, but it would overspill from our hearts and our lives. 
And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus. I'm going to invite the guys back just to finish off. Bless you. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmicoastvineyard.com.